Welcome to the Athletic Motion Golf Podcast. As a golfer, now more than ever, you have access to all sorts of swing advice and swing tips, and that can often be confusing and conflicting. This podcast is going to help you cut through all the clutter. You'll understand what really happens in the golf swing based on what we've learned from measuring the very best golfers in the world, but most importantly, how that information can help your swing. And we're going to try to do it all in 15 minutes or less. This episode is brought to you by AMG Plus, the best way to train your swing online. AMG Plus includes our four key training systems, the swing system, the speed system, the short game system, and the soon to be released putting system. You also get access to our private forum where Sean and I, along with our other AMG certified instructors, review your swings and check your progress as you move through the checkpoints. To learn more about it, just visit athleticmotiongolf.com forward slash the letters AMG dash PLUS to get started today. So there's three big kind of causes or ideas or concepts, however you want to think about it, that actually keep golfers from shallowing the golf club and getting the club pitched on a good plane in the downswing, causing those steep downswings that we all hate. And it really starts from... You know, that concept, which if you have a concept, we'll call it concept A, and you're trying to develop tactics to implement that concept, and that concept is flawed, your tactics are going to be flawed as well. And one of the top three, that's what this podcast is going to be about, the most three common issues that we see that's steep in the club coming down is golfers who are trying to hold that lag angle, that that angle formed by the left arm and the shaft. You know, it's classically at 90 degrees at the top or thereabouts trying to maintain that angle all the way down to the ball, that's a straight steepening move. Yeah, and I mean, it's been taught for years to kind of pull on the chain and hold a bunch of lag. And normally when golfers do that, they, they start extending or cupping their, their lead wrist a lot. And when they pull doing that, they usually at the same time get kind of narrow with their arms. When you combine those few things together, that will usually will stand the, the club up. So it, it goes against kind of what they're trying to do. Well, and, you know, we've made a video on it recently where that angle of lag, you know, again, between the forearm and the shaft, that's not shaft lean. In fact, you have to get rid of that angle that you build at the top of the swing before you get to impact if you want to have shaft lean and, and be shallow while doing it. The idea that that angle is maintained and, and brought down to the ball is devastating for downswings, and we see it all the time. It's, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. I know we just did a video on it, but um, Charles Barkley's swing has gotten better mm-hmm. in the last uh, probably year, and Stan Utley pretty much gave him that same lesson. He was trying to hold – someone told him to hold the lag angle, and dancing was, well, look, you've got a lag angle, and you've got the re- left-to-right motion of the wrist. You've got to let this lag angle out to hit the ball, to lower the club into the ground. Now, granted, an impact, you might have a little bit of angle in the back of your trail wrist like good players do just from natural motion. Right. But, you know, Charles was trying to hold lag angle, and it gave him – he couldn't get the club to the ground. And he's trying you – know, starting to develop the hitch because he you know, can't, can't hit the ball that way. And um, that video we did on YouTube, if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out because it's pretty eye-opening to show, like, okay, once you really see the video that we did and, and – kind of understand the concepts, your whole golf swing can change if you've been trying to hold it. You, you can get better really quick with just that one idea. Uh, we see it all the time. 
And, you know, when you think about it, creating that 90-degree angle for a lot of golfers requires some cupping of the left wrist. And those golfers who are typically trying to hold that lag will actually try to increase that angle coming down, which cups that left wrist even more, flattens the trail wrist. So you're really baking in the movements that you don't want to have at impact by trying to implement that concept of, you know, taking that lag angle that we see at the top of the swing and bringing it down to the ball. Without a question, one of the most common, especially kind of older generation golfers, which I'm squarely in right now and you're approaching. (laughs) Oh, I'm getting close. Everyone that seems to be kind of over the age of 40 at some point was taught that and probably still trying to do it. So that's definitely one of the top three. What would be number two? Number two would be, I mean, we just talked about lag. I mean, lag in the elbow. Yeah. So, again, the L word, right, the lag word, if you're going to tell me to get rid of those wrist angles that I created at the top, that's every time we bring this up in lessons, the first word out of the player's mouth is, well, that would be casting, right? And it's actually the opposite. Trying to hold those angles, and it always coincides with bringing that elbow in, keeping a lot of elbow bend, and the in vogue move right now is trying to get the elbow in front of the hip, you know, between your hip and the golf ball. Trying to do both of those, we call that elbow lag. And again, it just keeps all that bend in that right arm for a right-handed golfer. And when you're coming down, you 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 can't really get to the ball without doing some cartoonish type contortions that most of us physically will not be able to pull off time and time again without giant bottles of Advil. Yeah, and you know, it's so important to understand what your arms and wrists are supposed to be doing, I feel like. I mean, it's the only connection you have to the club, and any input that you do there is probably going to make it to the club. So if if you're taught to – we just talked about the wrists, right, overcupping and that, that kind of lag. But if you're trying to hold this trail elbow or, or increase the angle in it and drive it in front of your hip – your trail hip, which is a kind of a, those things go together. Usually people get narrow when they try to do that. Mm-hmm. That's directly affecting the, the pitch of that club. And nine times out of 10, it, it steepens. It's the opposite effect. It does not shallow the club. Um, and, and we see it every day in a lesson tee. I have guys go to the top of the swing. I'll place them there and say, all right, stay nice and wide. And just kind of feel like you let the club head lower down to the ground while you shift your body and turn it. And they have more lag, more shallow, more shaft lean. It's, <laughs> it's comical, really, at this point, because we'll say, okay, what do you think of that one? That, that, didn't, that didn't feel right. And then, you know, we have them look at the screen because we record every swing in a lesson because right. we want people to see. You know, we want the golfer to see what, if, what they tried to do, what did it do to the club. Every swing we're doing that, right? We're doing that for hours in lessons. And they're like, oh, wow, I've never seen – I mean, we get it all the time. I've never seen my swing ever look like that, and I've been trying to do it for years, and you just told me one thing to do, and my, I have all the things I was trying to do. Just from good information and, and changing the inputs, right, that you're, you're trying to do um, immediately makes them more shallow when they've been steeped their whole life. Not only giving them something different but do, to do, but most often the opposite, right? And this is a perfect Unless. example. These number one and two things are a perfect example. Holding those wrist angles and trying to hold that elbow 
by way of driving it in front of the hip, which again, we've never seen a good golfer do that. And we've got videos coming out exactly on that same topic. You know, all that internally rotated, externally rotated, you know, trying to go external in the downswing, all those things go together. And we just do not see good players do that because you've got to get the club squarely to the ball. And that requires you, those are all opening moves with the club face. So that requires you to make a bunch of compensations, a bunch of other kind of contortionist type movements. And it's just exhausting to try to do those. And then when you see what the best players in the world do, you're like, well, they're not doing that. And, and they play for pretty big stakes nowadays, in case you haven't heard, in case you've been living under a rock. There's a lot of money flowing around golf right now. And these guys are going to find the best ways to do this because they're the ones that are going to benefit the most from doing it in the most efficient manner possible. And you put quotes around efficient. So trying to do something that the best in the world don't do, you say it all the time, it's like, it's not a good idea. You might want to rethink what you're doing if you're trying to do something that the best golfers are not trying to do or are not doing. Um, you know, got a quarter of a second, less than a quarter of a second to downswing. There's not a lot of time to make up for poor starts to the downswing. And these two are certainly killers for how you start the downswing. Number three, what do you think? There's a couple here we could go to. You know, I've <laughs> talked about both of them. I mean, I like the one you talked about. It's in vogue lately is just driving your rear end back and mm-hmm. driving your chest down to start the downswing. And uh, funny enough, we had someone in here, you were here uh, last week, and uh, he, he was doing them all. <laughs> he had all three of them. It's not uncommon, unfortunately. It's not. It's just the information he was given and a good athlete applied it, and, and there you have it. He was real steep. He was, that's the thing, right? If you're a practicer – and then you have some athleticism on top of it, you will start doing what you're practicing. So it's always uh, important to make sure you're practicing the right things. But yeah, we see this one as now more of a response of early extending, right? And again, it goes back to kind of the, the menu analogy when we have golfers come in for lessons. It's like there's a menu behind us and they're like, okay, I'm gonna take some shallowing. I'm gonna, you know, Hold the early extension. I'm going to take some shaft lean. It's like they're picking and choosing these things where the reality is these golfers in many cases are early extending because that's going to give them their best chance of hitting a decent shot. So if you take early extension away and throw the butt back, drop the chest, that's all steepeners, right? That's going to make you steepen it more. And heaven forbid, if you're trying to do one and two on top of it, it's not going to be pretty. No, it's interesting. We need to do that sometime, you know, list out all the steepeners and shallowers because it's kind of interesting to think about. I don't think many people even understand it, but when you do understand it, you, the swing makes a little more sense. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I need to have these steepeners and shallowers the right amounts. I don't want three or four steepeners on the downswing because I'm going to have to now shallow by standing up. Yeah, so. like the, uh, the old tiny scales, right? Like the, the scales of justice type scales. Mm-hmm. You put one unit of steepener, you better put another unit of shallower. If you start stacking, you can even stack too many shallowers and get in trouble. So you want that those scales to be fairly balanced. And, you know, it's become such a, a trend in golf lately, I'm say maybe the last five or so years, that rotation is the cure for all. Rotation is a steepener, right? 100%. Puts things in front of you or behind you, in front of you or behind you. The arms move the things up and down. 
If you're only giving it going from behind to out in front, that's a steepening move. And if you aren't working the arms correctly, which again, for some reason, using the arms in the golf swing got to be, I, I don't know why it's word. frowned upon or, or, you know, you can use them. You can use anything poorly. You can, we see guys all the time try to get open poorly. We see guys all the time use their arms poorly. That's not an excuse for not using them at all. If you use them poorly and then you're over biased, you know, we hear the term all the time. I'm a pivot driven swing or I don't want to be an arm driven swing. There's no such thing. You have to have them both working pretty darn well to be, again, balanced and moving correctly. You start combining bits, even bits of these concepts together, and you start creating the drills to work on them, and then you really get yourself down a rabbit hole. And you always say, it's going to take you a minimum of three times as long to dig out of a hole as it is to dig the hole. In some cases, a lot longer than that. Yeah, and and I meant to say something a minute ago, but um, I spent quite a bit of time in Martin Hall. We've become pretty good friends, and he said it to me a few times. You have to be very careful what you tell a good player or a good athlete or a coordinated person because they'll probably end up doing it sooner or later, and and that's probably not good in, in many cases. But that's why the, the quality information that you are taking in is so important. Now, what, what a great quote from him um, because we see it. We see it. And every day we teach the lessons, the guy will come in and, and I'm just been, I've been trying so hard to not be steep in the downswing. I've been trying so hard to get open in the downswing. Okay, what have you been working on? And whatever they say it is, in this case, either holding the angle or driving the elbow or trying to keep my butt back. You're, but you're doing all those. But that's why you are still steep. Not, it's not the cure. It's actually part of the problem. So understanding that. And again, I think you had a great point in that understanding what the steepeners are versus what the shallowers are in the golf swing. If you can think about it in debit and credits and, and just add those elements and work on those elements in the drills you do, you're going to be way better for it. Think about that. I think Jim Hardy had a book. One of, his, one of his books was about that, right? The steepeners mm -hmm. and shallowers. Great, great book. Yeah. I remember I, when I first read it, I'm like, oh, wow, this makes complete sense. Yeah, this like, isn't now anything I, now new. I get it. Or certainly not our idea. This steepener and shallower has mm -hmm. been around a long time. Just get some of the older things in golf that have worked for eons sometimes get forgotten about because they're older and they weren't around before social media. It's like everybody now is looking for a magic bullet, like some crazy yeah. different way to swing it, like leaving the arms up and spinning around or flexing your wrists a ton because DJ does it or making the biggest hip turn you can on the backswing. It's like all this all this stuff that people are trying to do now, I just don't see it helping them get much better. The old, the old school, normal golf swing, we call it plain vanilla, works pretty good. Yeah, we're good for Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, you know, just on down the lineage of great golfers. And there definitely is a trend for these outliers, like really liking these outlier type movements. But, you know, to to be a fan of that, you have to look past hundreds, if not thousands of golfers not doing that and having massive amounts of success out there playing. So, you know, pick your poison carefully. <laughs> yeah, feel free to swing whatever way you want. Absolutely. I mean, but when you see some of these kind of outlier swings, a lot of times they weren't taught that. They picked the golf club up, right. started hitting the ball as hard as they could. So that's part of what you're seeing. And that's the swing that they developed. Is it something you can try to copy? Mm, maybe not. Yeah. 
so often those guys haven't learned that move. That's the move that they've kind of come out of the womb with. And they've learned how to make that good and play with it. Trying to spend your whole life doing it a different way and then trying to learn that, especially later in life, trying to do those types of movements is really setting yourself up for, we just haven't really seen any success stories behind with not many adopting these movements. I, I can't think of one uh, that we've come across, but um, to the point where a lot of times we've said it before, you have to be real careful what you work on if you're a practicer, because there's certain things there's, there's a few, like I would call them patterns Mm-hmm. that you see taught that if you go down that road, there's, there's not, there's no coming back from it. The idea you that gets so baked in <laughs> the idea that there's a million ways to swing a golf club and there's a million matchups has just ruined so many golf swings. There's not a million ways to do it. Mm-mm. You can look a lot of different ways, but the actual core movements, they're, they're pretty few and far between. And I mean, you just gotta be careful. I mean, first of all, Get yourself measured. Listen to sources that do measure, right? Because it's 2022, soon to be 2023. There's just no excuse. You wouldn't hire a carpenter who didn't use tape measures. You wouldn't hire uh, plumbers who didn't measure the pipes that they're cutting for you. You wouldn't go to a doctor who didn't, you know, just eyeball everything. Take an x-ray, MRI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's just no reason not to have that in your golf game now if you spend the time actually trying to improve. Now, if you just want a weekend tip, have at it and you enjoy the game like that, more power to you. But if you're actually grinding on your swing, trying to build a better golf swing, invest in the information that you're allowing yourself to hear and protect the good information and keep away the bad information because you it's time. It's all it is. You're going to spend more time or you're going to save more time. Yeah, and the, like we said, the longer you practice it, if you did 10,000 <laughs> swings that way, you probably got 10,000 swings, you know, the correct way to dig yourself out of the hole. And um, it doesn't need to be that way. Had a basketball. You know, just follow. What would you say? I, I said I had a basketball coach. You, you reminded me of something who, you know, he kind of came. You have the off-season workouts, and he kind of flowed through the gym. He wasn't supposed to be in there. But he, it's mm-hmm. funny, the coaches – they built, you know, they passed those laws or the rules in NCAA that you're only supposed to be with the team X amount of hours. Well, you started to see a lot of gyms being built with windows into the coach's office so he could look oh, too out funny. onto the court. And he was watching and he pulled us all inside and he's like, you guys realize that every time you take a shot or throw a pass, you're ingraining something. Like You're ingraining what you're doing. When you stand on the driving range, and if you're not working on anything, you're still ingraining something. And if you're working on the wrong things, you're ingraining it. If you're working on the right things, you're ingraining that. So, you know, every swing you make is an opportunity. And there's a consequence with it. You're going to be ingraining something and uh, choose wisely. Yeah. I mean, to the that makes a good point. Even like I was overhearing a conversation the other day. I forget where I was. The guy's like, yeah, I just kind of grip it in any old way. Hit it. I'm thinking to myself. Is this normal? He's like, yeah, I don't really don't think about my grip. I've never really thought. I just kind of like put my hands on it and wherever it feels comfortable. I was like, man, if, if people knew how many hours a good player spends. I mean, I used to have one of those molded grips. I had yeah. it on, in my hands in the house constantly. Those things are great, by the way, not to get off on a tangent. I think I saw, saw Scotty Scheffler had one in his bag. I've never seen it before with a tour player, like in, the, in his bag for practice. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, those are all perishable skills. 
Right. If right. you just grab it any old way, you're liable to hit any old shot. And that's, that's right. So. That's right. And it comes back to, you know, doing things, trying to do things the right way over and over again to build good habits mm-hmm. and have good information so you have good concepts to kind of circle it all back together or circle back around here. And um, you, you're going to get better. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. Have a decent grip. You swing the club on a pretty good plane and have a nice pivot with good timing and sequence. It, you know, that's a learned thing. You can learn how to do that. It's, it's, it's not impossible. We teach people every day how to do it. So pick, you don't have to pick us. Pick someone that's measuring, though, that has looked at enough swings to know what they're looking at, and um, you'll be better for it. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's, the formula is undefeated. It's not locked up behind a vault anywhere. You don't have to pay a membership to learn it. Practice the right things over and over. You get better. It's as simple as that. There's no magic uh, training aid to buy. There's no magic drill. Practice the right things over and over. You will get better. Think that covered it? That's it. All right. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please uh, go on iTunes, give us a five-star, and leave us a written review. That helps us uh, reach more golfers, and we're trying to help as many of you as we can.